And now, it's time for the Mike and Matt Football Show Podcast. Well, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Mike and Matt Football Show. As always, alongside my co-caster, Matt Petrie, my name is Mike Bachman. And week 11 now, Matt, Thanksgiving week, a lot to be thankful for this NFL season, most notably the on-field uh, entertainment we've been able to uh, watch unfold before our eyes this year. Uh, but should be a good week and most notably another great episode how you feeling today i'm feeling excited it's holiday spirit is in the air you're gonna have some fun with this episode football's been wacky i think that's the best way to describe football lately it's just wacky but that's kind of what the entertainment is isn't it just seeing what kind of nonsense happens during the 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 home stretch that is november definitely and we even were just discussing in our little pre-show meeting just how (laughs) unorthodox slash crazy this NFL season has been. It's been extremely unpredictable. You got, I feel like you got these teams that you know, you have a general idea of who's going to be there come playoff time. But as far as who's making a deep run, as far as who's actually going to win games in the postseason, I mean, is like you have no idea because you got the Tennessee Titans, for example, who are, the number one seed in the AFC, I still, I think still, they had their eight-game winning streak. The Texans, division rival, dumpster fire, eight-game losing streak or whatever. And they beat the Titans. They beat the hottest team in the AFC. And the Titans, and this is the second, I mean, the Titans lost to the Jets earlier in the year. They've had some bad losses. I mean, it's just been a crazy, like we say, unpredictable year, but nonetheless, it's kept us on our toes with content to talk about, things to discuss. So we are definitely not complaining. Absolutely not. It's been it's been wild. It's been fun, at least for me, these last few weeks, because as wacky as everything's been, the wackiness has seemed to stay out in New England. It's honestly more business as usual there, but we'll be talking more about things we're thankful for down the line. But definitely a little teaser there of what I've been thankful for. Hell yeah, and I wish I could say the same, but things are it seems seems like seems like the can is just opening it for wackiness for for my organization, the Pittsburgh Steelers, after an uh, emotional roller coaster that I had to sit through on Sunday night. Uh, but yes, a beautiful, beautiful way to bring this whole conversation full circle, being that we are in the spirit of Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving is on Thursday, just a few days away. We thought it would be fun today to go through all the NFL teams and say what each one should be thankful for this year. So Petrie and I, we're going to, we have respective conferences, Matt, you got the NFC. I got the AFC. We're just going to go one by one back and forth and see what these teams should be thankful for this year. There's a lot, even the bad ones. Even the ones at rock bottom still have something, something that we can that we can say they should be thankful for. So, Matt, without further ado, what do you say we get this show on the road? Absolutely. Let's kick it off. We'll start with the reigning Super Bowl champions, the Buccaneers. What do they got to be thankful for? Well, they have time. They have a lot of time to get what looks like a few kinks in the ship. Right. Because, I mean, they already knew what they had to be thankful for last year. They've been hoisting it around the entire season. and That's a Lombardi trophy. But they're looking for two, and right now that path isn't quite so clear. They got some injuries, but more importantly, they got time until the end of the season to get right, get the defense looking better, get Gronk healthy. They got time. They're in a good position in their division, and that's all you can ever really be thankful for in the NFL is time and leverage. Well, on the flip side for the AFC, I'll start with my first team here, the Baltimore Ravens. And seems like a pretty easy answer, and that's just because it's going to be, and it's the glue of that franchise. But they need to be thankful for Lamar Jackson because they were able to snag – for one, they were able to snag Lamar Jackson with the last pick in the first round of that draft just a few years ago. And like I said, he has been the glue to this team. And we kind of got an indication of what this team looks like without Lamar Jackson 
uh, this past this past week when he had to sit out due to illness. But the one thing that Lamar has done and really has molded into this year in 2021 is a maestro at quarterback as a comeback king. I mean, on three separate occasions, double-digit double uh, leads that the, that the Baltimore Ravens had to try and get back uh, against the Chiefs, the Colts, and the Vikings. And Lamar Jackson was the orchestrator at the helm. He's, he helped lead these teams to these comeback wins. It's really quite, quite impressive. And, I mean, he's got perennial big playability, as we know. His unpredictability as a runner at quarterback, you never know where he's going to go. He's electric. He's Lamar Jackson. I got to watch him for the next 10 years. And you know what? The Baltimore Ravens really need to be thankful for him. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more there. Going back to the NFC with the Saints, there's not a lot to be thankful for in New Orleans as they've lost three straight, but they have the future to look forward to. And that could come in a lot of forms, but I'm going to go with what I think my outlook is. And that's what I call the Michael Thomas goodie bag, because I don't think they have sold Michael Thomas on coming back to New Orleans but I think they can sell plenty of teams on giving them at least a first and some change to take Michael Thomas off their hands. And so when you come back and look at next season, a defense that'll be healthier, Jameis Winston will be back and he proved he can show you some flashes. He'll hopefully have some weapons bolstering around him in the receiving core that aren't just Alvin Kamara doing every single line of scrimmage job you can think of. So the future is bright in New Orleans. They have a positive future to look ahead to. They don't have to clean everything out. They don't have to clean house. And that's got to be a nice feeling to know they're not at rock bottom. Definitely a good feeling knowing that they're not at rock bottom and definitely could have some of the pieces to build for the future. And moving on to the Buffalo Bills, tough one. But for me, they just need to be thankful that they are playing in the AFC East and they need to be thankful for these other AFC East teams. Now, with the reemergence of the New England Patriots, it has definitely thrown a little bit of a wrench into the Bills' plans. The Bills now on a little bit of a slump. Uh, a couple of really, really poor performances from the Bills uh, against some awful teams, dude, but getting absolutely shafted this past weekend by Jonathan Taylor. We'll go more into that later. Uh, but, you know, the AFC East still is as predictable as it gets, right? And the Bills last year taking the crown as, as the potential new kings of the AFC East. Now with the Patriots there, uh, you know, that, like I said, definitely makes things a little bit more interesting. But nonetheless, the Bills, knowing that they have two, four games, two against the Dolphins, two against the Jets, games that they can easily get themselves back on track. It'll be interesting to see how they match up against New England uh, in, in a couple of weeks. They got those two matchups there. So definitely looking forward to, because I think we'll definitely get a sense of how that legitimizes New England's chances uh, against their top their top AFC competitor. But this Bills team still speaks for themselves. They've outscored division opponents 106 to 28 this year. 106 to 28. So they just pancake division rivals. And you know, despite this slump, we still expect them to be there uh, come playoff time. And the AFC East is something that'll definitely help them get there. <laughs> I have to agree with you there as well. I do think we talk about games that could get them back in. I thought the Colts was going to be a game they could absolutely take with how good their defense is. Jonathan Taylor ripped them to shreds. I'm sure you'll be talking a little more about him in the AFC. Come back to the NFC, someone who could be ripping people to shreds if his coach would get out of his way. And the reason why Carolina Panthers fans should absolutely be thankful is they were a town in need. Crime was running rampant. Sam Darnold was stealing away wins. Christian McCaffrey was being assaulted by poor O-line play. And all of a sudden, what do the good people of Carolina see? They look to the sky and they see something flying in. It's not a bird, nor is it a plane. It's old man super cam. And old man super cam seems to have rejuvenated this Panthers team. It's only been a two game sample size, but not only did he help lead them to a win in his first game back, he was a bad coaching decision away from leading them to another win last weekend. Fourth and inches in enemy territory, and you punt it when you have Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton. So I'll say, Carolina Panthers fans, not thankful for Matt Rule right now, but pretty dang thankful for Cam Newton. Huge, huge snag. What a what a gift for them, for those fans. You know, could potentially be what they need 
to put the Panthers back in that race for a potential wild card spot in the playoffs. And got to be honest, really nice to see Cam Newton, all the scrutiny and criticism he got in New England and everybody writing him off. Well, back in Carolina and providing that spark that they need and, you know, making the most of his opportunities, as you as you mentioned there, Petrie, uh, really, really exciting stuff for them. And just, you know, speaks volumes to how aggressive that organization has been in trying to uh, get get talent there. Moving on to the Cincinnati Bengals. Well, they need to be thankful for the 2020 offseason because they put the pieces together to build this team and to build the foundation that it needs to compete in the AFC North once again. Drafting with Jamar Chase obviously changes the complexion of this offense, gives Joe Burrow that, that weapon, historic combo at LSU between Burrow and Chase. But not only that, building up the defense with signings like Trey Hendrickson and Mike Hilton, uh, former Steeler, guys that have been that have been playing well. And that defense, you know, they needed the bye week to come back and put the stamp on the Las Vegas Raiders this past weekend. And the the Bengals are are still right up there in potential playoff contention. And you know, a team that historically has been really really bad in all facets of the game. Uh, the past couple years, they have really, really built a genuine foundation for the future. So the Bengals, their 2020 offseason is what they needed to get this team back on track. Well, speaking of teams that are bad in all facets, that actually segues nicely into our next NFC team, which is the Atlanta Falcons. And uh, they actually really only have one key thing that they should be thankful for. And it's something that no other NFL team could do. And that solved the Rubik's Cube that is Cordero Patterson. Because ever since he entered the league, this is what we were told might be in there. This is the diamond that was under all that coal. And the Vikings chipped away at it. The Patriots chipped away at it. The Bears chipped away at it. Finally, the Falcons have said, hey, what if we just give you the ball in every conceivable way we can? And it's worked. The only thing that they might not be as thankful for is they seem to have forgotten every other key testament of football along the way to solving this Rubik's Cube. Kyle Pitts is going to be an honorable mention because when you find a six foot six Megatron clone that likes to block, you can't help but throw that in there. But my gosh, you want to talk about a team with all the weapons that still needs to blow it up and rebuild it all? That is the Falcons. But hey, you got Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts as the keys to build around for the next go around. Yeah, and able to figure him out. And Cordero Patterson have a career year in virtually every category that that he's being used in. Uh, so, you know, definitely a bright spot there for the Falcons. But as you mentioned, they can't seem to get get around any of the other talent that they, that they have on that team. You find you find the, the, the biggest oddball of a player in Cordero Patterson, and they make it look easy when you got the Patriots, the Bears trying to utilize him, but they can't. And then Atlanta just runs in there and makes it all smooth. Uh, so that's just a testament to how that franchise is run, I guess. But now moving to the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns, they should be thankful for a lot, being that this organization is finally starting to win games. But most importantly, they need to be thankful for their ground game because this is a ground and pound team with arguably one of the best running backs in the league in Nick Chubb. The offense runs through their running game. Uh, to complement their, obviously, elite defense uh, and some of their players on that side of the ball. But, you know, all the noise still surrounds Baker Mayfield. Baker is dealing with injuries. He's not performing uh, up to par like a lot of people think he should be. Um, and he continues to be in the news. This team continues to get penalized heavily. And the one thing that remains true is no matter who's carrying the rock, they always seem to find success, whether it's Nick Chubb, whether it's Kareem Hunt, whether it's Dearness Johnson, who just came on the scene, the Cleveland Browns have found their identity in the run game. And, you know, it's what's keeping them. It's what's keeping them in these games. And it's something to be thankful for. I couldn't agree with you more there. I feel like I said it a lot, but I mean, you said it, Nick Chubb, six yards per carry. What a monster he has been. And you back him with Kareem Hunt. That is some old-school, rugged football if that defense can hold up. Going back to the NFC and a team that really just doesn't hold up health-wise at all every single year, it feels like. It's the 49ers. They have their litany of injuries every year. But this year, it's a player who was out before that 
has come back this year and really broken out into superstardom that I think they should truly be thankful for. And that's Debo Samuel, because Debo Samuel has burst into an all around bona fide superstar. You want him to rush the ball? He'll get you a couple touchdowns there. You want him to chase Cooper Cup for the receiving lead? He'll do that for you too. You want him to get chemistry with two different quarterbacks because you don't know if Trey Lance is ready yet? Debo will do it. A guy so young who lost so much time already to an injury to still be able to have this kind of breakout when people were talking about a Brandon Ayuk or how this offense might go through Kittle or how great the run game is, Debo Samuel will just show that he's that kind of worker, that kind of player that he can tune out the noise, knows how good he is, and clearly is putting it on the field this year. And he, whoever the quarterback for the 49ers is going forward, I think it'll be Trey Lance, but you never know. Whoever it is is going to be lucky to be thrown to him. Absolutely. And, you know, as you mentioned, in multiple multiple parts of the game, not only at receiver, but but <laughs> at running back as well, uh, you know, he, he, he could do it all. And definitely giving, giving Cooper Cup a legitimate challenge there for the receiving title this year. Uh, so definitely, it, definitely good to see Debo Samuel healthy, make the most of his opportunities. Uh, moving to the Denver Broncos, another beleaguered team with injury. Um, but man, I got to tell you, this team has a lot of potential and they should be thankful for the future. You look, you take a look at a lot of these young players on their team and just where this team can go in the near future. You take a look at a guy like Javante Williams, rookie running back. Leading the league in forced missed tackles with 38 per pro, fo- pro football focus, excuse me. You take a look at guys like Cortland Sutton, who just inked a four-year deal, so they have him long-term. Even other guys on the outside, like Jerry Judy, Noah Fant at tight end. You know, they traded their superstar leader in the locker room, Von Miller, for necessary draft capital. Um, so this Broncos team, you know, this year, turning some heads. They are a quarterback away from, I think, really making a run. And I would say, you know, molding this AFC West even more so when you take a look at all of these teams. And who knows who's going to be on the market? We know Aaron Rodgers is potentially going to be on the market. Russell Wilson might be on the market. Who knows if what happens with Deshaun Watson? And if the 49ers decide to go with Trey Lance, Jimmy Garoppolo might be out there. And We'll see, but the Denver, I think, has a lot of potential and a lot of assets to build around to become a really solid squad in the future. I will say the chat, you know, brings up an even more valid point. You mentioned all these quarterbacks. What about Drew Locke? And what I can only hope I'm interpreting as Drew Locke, thankfully, has a line because I'm, I could not interpret the chat in any other way other than that being a line or, you know, a fill in the blank. Nothing else it could be. But I do think that the Broncos have a lot to be thankful for going forward. I think getting Von Miller's contract off the books is great for for Drew Locke's future of helming that franchise. But another team that probably has an even brighter future for the right now before all the lights get cut out because they spent way too much money for this one season, that's the Rams. And what do the Rams have to be thankful for? Well, they went Hollywood this year. That's for sure. And they have every star you can think of under the bright lights. And we're getting to that point of the year where they better start shining. Secondary, Jalen Ramsey. Defensive line, Aaron Donald. Interior, sorry, exterior of the defensive line, Von Miller. Offense, Matt Stafford going out there and getting him for all the picks, all that money. Cooper Cup's going to want his money. You got stars everywhere you look on that roster. I'm a little stunned they didn't go out and get a running back just to fill the trifecta but look if your team is willing to go out there and get this many pieces spend this many assets to say hey we're gonna try and win you've got to be thankful as an organization you look around and see probably 20 other teams in the league just twiddling their thumbs and to be able to see your team going out there and just move after move after move to try and get better also there was someone i purposefully omitted from all those stars for those who picked up on it I don't consider that person a star. I don't even think their name is worth saying, and I think they're going to be out of the league soon. But besides him, they have a lot to be thankful for uh, there in L.A. Yeah, not to mention a Hollywood head coach in, uh, in Sean McVay leading the helm. So everything going right in, in, in that sense for, for the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, but now moving down to Houston for the Houston Texans. 
what do the Texans have to be thankful for other than the end of this god-awful season, dude? Perennial losers, though, just beating the number one seed in the AFC, uh, the Tennessee Titans. The Deshaun Watson saga continues to loom large over this franchise. They are just in need of a hard reset in every aspect of the game. On the bright side, they have a first-round pick this year. Haven't had a first-round pick in a couple years now. So hopefully we'll be able to take advantage of that capital. But God, for the Texans... And Texans fans, I think the one thing that they are just longing for is the end of 2021 and a hard reset to try and potentially rebuild this franchise in some form and get all of the off-field nonsense and drama away from from their organization. And it's just, they just need a clean slate. They just got to go back to the drawing board, start fresh. You know, everybody needs that once in a while and they're in store for it for sure. Gosh, I, 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 I'm trying to think if there's anything even witty to throw out there besides the – there's just not – the Texans are just praying for this beating to be over, to, to not have to go out there and put on an effort for the three fans who still exist in Houston who didn't bandwagon over to Dallas. But speaking of bandwagon fans, there's one fan base that really can't be called that, and that's the Seattle Seahawks. Their fan base is so famous that they're literally known as the 12th man. And hey, I think that's what you should be thankful for this year because they can't leave you. Russell certainly can. Pete Carroll might not have a choice. But the 12th man, that's always going to be in Seattle's heart because they've been through the dark days before. And boy, are those dark days creeping back up on them quick. They slowly are, as we have well documented, as we continue to speculate the future of of Russell Wilson and dark days indeed potentially for for Seattle on the flip side the Indianapolis Colts and this one speaks for itself because he is now a bona fide baller at the running back position but how could you not be thankful for Jonathan Taylor Jonathan Taylor who has quickly emerged himself as the best running back in the game Obviously, Derrick Henry's out, but we can't. This isn't a game of what ifs. It's a game of the now and the reality of it. And Jonathan Taylor is the best running back in the league. He leads the league in rushing. He's got 13 rushing touchdowns. He's averaging almost similarly to Nick Chubb, six yards per carry at 5.8, eight straight games with just one touchdown and just absolutely blasted through uh, the number one defense in the league in Buffalo. Five, what do you have? Five total touchdowns? Four rushing and a receiving. Five total touchdowns. I mean, Carson Wentz threw 100 yards. Didn't even need him. Honestly, Carson Wentz didn't even have to be on the field. It was all Jonathan Taylor, and it's been all Jonathan Taylor. He's vaulted himself into legitimate MVP contention. When we talk about the unpredictability of this season and just how crazy it's been with week after week, teams falling from grace and rising, rising up again. Same with the MVP conversation. Jonathan Taylor has emerged and vaulted himself into that conversation, most certainly for offensive player of the year, if if nothing else. But his numbers, the way he bullied the Bills this past week, just cannot be overlooked. And you got to give credit to Frank Reich and that organization for hitting the number on on Jonathan Taylor and and letting him work. Absolutely. And I do think... Looking into him, there was one player I was curious how healthy they've been during this beautiful stretch he's had these last few weeks. Quinn Nelson was out from week three to week seven. And it feels like since Quinn Nelson has come back, you know, one of the focal points of that online, it's given Frank Wright the confidence to just unleash Jonathan Taylor on the league. And it's been glorious to watch. Someone who had been unleashed on the league for a while until his small body was concaved in was a dear Kyler Murray of the Cardinals. But I still think that's the reason that they should be thankful. But more importantly than that, because honestly, Cardinals fans, you should be thankful for a lot of things this season. You should be thankful for your coach. You should be thankful for your quarterback. You should be thankful that the Texans decided D-Hop was not worth what he is worth and sold them to you for pennies on the dollar. But more importantly than any of that to me, be thankful that you have a defense at the time that your offense is peaking like this. Because too many times I feel we see 
juggernaut offenses get hollowed out and figured out and they have no fallback plan. The defense can't get them that stop to let them reassess and regain momentum. That doesn't feel like this Cardinals team. This Cardinals team feels balanced. It feels like for every playmaker I can name on offense, there's one on defense who I can go tick for tack with. Kyler Murray, Chandler Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Buda Baker. List goes on and on. I'm not going to waste too much more time on them. They're a phenomenal team. They should be thankful for everything going forward and just say a quick little prayer that your playoffs don't turn out how they always do. Yeah, and how about a shout-out to some of their some of their depth players and backups. Colt McCoy has done a – I mean, two and one's done a solid job still keeping this team up there. James Conner has been playing well in the absence of Chase Edmonds, bringing in Zach Ertz. What an absolute hit that was. Hopefully the Cardinals have something to show for it down the road and these guys can get healthy because uh, one of the mo- this was the most exciting team to watch before all these injuries. And, you know, to your point, could be arguably the most well-balanced team in the NFL right now. Let's move down to Jacksonville and discuss the, the Jaguars. You know, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to give credit. I'm going to give credit where credit is due. And, you know, that's that's with another that's with another running back. We know Trevor Lawrence has the potential to be great. I really hope his career is just not soiled down there. I mean, you take a look at how he's performed this year. I mean, Urban Meyer and what he's what he's done. I mean, for one, they should be thankful for that for that upset win against Buffalo uh, in, in in a time in a time with Urban Meyer. Some of the decisions that he's made uh, and really just trying to flip the script and 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 focus more on what's actually going on with the Jaguars on the field. But we know Trevor Lawrence has the potential and. While they should be thankful for him, they the Jaguars really need to be thankful for James Robinson. James Robinson, an undrafted free agent last year, one of the few bright spots on this offense. Seven rushing touchdowns. Trevor Lawrence has eight passing touchdowns, 10 total. So James Robinson is still performing at a clip that matches the performance of his quarterback. And obviously that's something that you don't want. You want your quarterback to be able to score and drive downfield. But, you know, James Robinson has kind of created this narrative himself as a nobody coming out of college. And then in a, in a no, you know, unfortunately a franchise and a team as historically bad as Jacksonville is, you know, making the most of it and has performed real well. And hopefully he can get healthy once again and start uh, running the ball more. But I feel like he's a guy that is often getting overlooked just because he was not a big name coming out of college and he was kind of just like, you know, taken uh, undrafted in Jacksonville. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta take a look at it. And I give credit to James, to James Robinson still being able to perform quite well under the circumstances of that franchise. Absolutely. I do think, honestly, that probably is a reason he should get more credit is that he's had two consistent versatile years in this, to put it bluntly shit show. Yeah. Going on to a team that is maybe off the field a little bit of a mess, but on the field, they're keeping it together. And that's the Green Bay Packers. And what do you got to be thankful for in Green Bay? It is the very fact that Aaron Rodgers is still on your team, because no matter what controversy he finds himself in, no matter who he's ruffled the wrong way, he's still that bad man who can go out there and beat any damn team and any defense in the league. As long as he's got Adams and Aaron Jones by his side, it's going to be even easier. The defense has kept its end of the deal up. Jair Alexander is still a shutdown guy. But as long as you still got Aaron Rodgers, Green Bay, you still got a chance at that Super Bowl, and you still have a reason to be thankful. And right now, at this moment, I would say that the Packers are the team to beat down the stretch long-term this season. And Aaron Rodgers has put them in that position. Side note, what a hell of a game. I know they were on the losing end of it, but my God, what a game this past weekend against the Vikings and how that one turned out. Just a quick shout out there. Uh, But speaking, I'll just, I'll go to this team now. Speaking of off the field issues, let's talk about the Raiders. Uh, don't really know what direction to throw this one in here because there's really not there's really not much 
that they can look at as a positive. They sniff success. John Gruden gets called out for his past and gets fired. One of your bright young stars at wide receiver, unfortunately, commits a bad person act. One of your first-round cornerbacks then goes ahead and commits yet another bad person act. What do you make of the Raiders right here? And, you know, this is probably a cop-out answer. They're on a three-game losing streak now, but if you look at anybody that you want in your locker room to try and unite the team and bring them together through all this adversity, you can't look at anybody else than Derek Carr. And Derek Carr does his best. He's trying to keep this team afloat, have the faith that they can somehow move on from this. But they've been hit with the kitchen sink this year, as I mentioned. Henry Ruggs, Damon Arnett, head coach John Gruden, all dealing with their own with their own issues. Season, like I said, heading in the wrong direction. But, I mean, you give credit to, to Derek Carr in – his leadership off the field. And again, in trying to just keep this locker room afloat, keep this season alive, keep this team together, whether that pans out remains to be seen. This team has dealt with a ton, but if you want the short answer, that's my short answer. Look, I think that was the toughest thing of all of of this entire list of 32 teams. I, I think the Raiders were absolutely the hardest and, I think you picked the only thing you could because really what else is there out of that mess? There really isn't. I, I, I yeah, there you, you did as good as you could. And I, I, like you said, like who else would you want leading that locker room? Really? Derek, Derek Carr is just feels like one of the truly genuinely good people in the league. Maybe occasionally turns a little too much of a blind eye towards his own people, but you know what? We're all human. And so I think absolutely they should be thankful for having a guy like that in their roster. I kind of have a cop-out answer with my next one, too, because, look, I could say the Vikings can be thankful for Dalvin Cook. I can say that Justin Jefferson's real swell. I can say that Kirk Cousins shows flashes of being a star, that the defense has some some young up-and-comers who are stepping in for an injured Daniil Hunter and keeping that electric pace they have, leading the league in sacks. But I can also tell you that I've read this script every single year for as long as I've watched football. And there's only ever two outcomes. The Vikings don't make the playoffs or the Vikings make it and get heartbroken, have a straight Indiana Jones, Kalima, rip out the heart type moment. And I'm sorry. The only thing I think you can be thankful for if you're a Minnesota fan is that the curse has got to be ending soon. Whoever put this voodoo, bad mojo, Viking curse on you, however many years ago, it's got to be running out now. The Yankees curse ran out eventually, the Red Sox curse. So curses all have a a wear down point. The Cubs got theirs. A lot of these are in baseball, I'm realizing. But these curses, they come undone. And the Vikings have got to be coming to the end of theirs, specifically when Kirk Cousins' contract ends. I'm telling you, dude, the Vikings, as you said, we've, we've heard this story before. We've seen, we've seen this, this narrative play out many, many times, only to be squashed with uh, disappointment. But I don't know, man. I don't know how far they could potentially go. But if they sneak, there, if they sneak in there, if they continue to perform at the clip that they are right now, I don't know. But what I do know is that the Kansas City Chiefs, they're still the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's what they need to be thankful for. We know the team's faced a ton of adversity this year. And we even said it on the show. I even said it myself. They're not making the playoffs. They're going to finish with a losing record. Though they've struggled offensively, though they've made careless mistakes, though they've had a dreadful defense, they've found their stride once again. And Patrick Mahomes, they still continue to be there. And they are going to be there, probably at the top of the AFC West by the end of the year. No division rival also in this wake of this slump has really been able to 
create a large gap to separate themselves if the Chiefs were able to get back to normal form and play like we know they always play. So that in itself, they also they also should be thankful for the fact that no other team was really able to capitalize on that. Uh, and we maybe just need to be aware to not write them off after one poor stretch. This is like the first poor stretch they've had since Mahomes entered the since like Mahomes entered. I know he got injured uh, a couple times. I know they lost to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, to Tom Brady and got outplayed immensely, but they're still the chiefs. They still got one of the best head coaches to ever play the game, to ever coach the game and Andy Reid, And they should be thankful that they're still the chiefs, despite all these frigging issues they've been dealing with this year. Hey, don't break, don't break what isn't broken. And boy, it looked like it might've been, but keep greasing the wheels. Keep slightest crack, the slightest little fissure. And just put put a little put a little putty over that. Put a little scaffolding over that. It'll disappear. You'll forget it's there, and it'll be a couple of years before the whole foundation implodes on itself. <laughs> but you can get a couple Super Bowls in that time. This is un- an unfortunate segue because there's a team that has no Super Bowls in any time coming up, and that is the kneecap biting, gritty sons of guns from Detroit, led by Dan Campbell, and that. Even better, man, in the worst sense of the word, Jared Goff. What do they have to be thankful for? They have a lot of promise. There are some really promising signs in this hell of a season. Sure, you can't pull out a win, and even getting a tie is like ripping out your back molar with no pain medication. But DeAndre Swift looks like an all-world like receiving back, and your offensive line is really young and dominant. And Jared Goff has been hurt a lot of the year. So you know what? Maybe I'm being a little too harsh on him. Maybe when Sean McVay's hand got pulled out of his ass, he finally remembered how to be a real boy and make actual NFL progressions instead of being told 15 seconds before the play, hey, based on the coverage, I think it's this. Do it. I I do think people understate how bad that could have been for his development as a player to just never have his coach take the training wheels off. And I think that he can blossom. And I think... You get some actual receivers on this team to pair with TJ Hawkinson. You get guys like Jeff Okuda, who might actually look like a corner if he's healthy next year. There are some signs of life for this team. And Dan Campbell seems like a guy who has that locker room. And I think that's huge, to be able to have the locker room in a year like this. So it's got to be hard to see any positives when your team is just getting rolled every week. But you're a 66-yard field goal and some other nonsense away from looking respectable. And I think that's pretty good for the Lions. Yeah, I would agree. And to your point, they have they've put up a fight. They have put up a fight, and they have not lost the heart in playing. Yes, they've had a couple of blowout losses, but there, there have been moments for this team to have some positive takeaways. And like you said, I think Dan Campbell is a well-respected coach in that locker room. And – I think going forward, if he is obviously still uh, fortunate enough to have this job, it'll be interesting to see what he can do to help build this team for the future because they do have some promising young players, like you said. It's just a matter of getting over the hump and learning how to win. Let's go to Los Angeles uh, for the Chargers. My God, are they thankful for the Miami Dolphins because the Miami Dolphins passed up on their guy. They got their guy, Justin Herbert, and boy, oh boy, has he developed behind one of the blossoming young offensive lines in the game. And you could just, Justin Herbert, every time I, like, you could just kind of gain the sense that Justin Herbert is going to be that all-around genuine player, both on and off the field. His interviews, he is so well-spoken, and he performs on the field. You look at what he did uh, on Sunday against Pittsburgh. He's efficient with the ball. You know, the Chargers have had some really tough losses uh, this year and last, and, you know, it's kind of been the story of that, of that franchise recently. They, they, too, have not really been able to get over that hump to propel them to superstardom. 
but Justin Herbert is going to be that guy. And the fact that the Dolphins decided to take Tua over Justin Herbert and he fell into the laps of, of the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, you know, the Chargers need to be saying thank you to that organization. And fans of football for the next decade, hopefully at least, to see Justin Herbert versus Patrick Mahomes on a daily basis, potentially down and come playoff time and, and, and in these division, these division games, box office and the rivalry that we'll need for hope, hopefully at least the next decade. So thank you, Miami, for giving us that. I have to agree with you there. I mean, it's definitely not something that Miami fans are going to be uh, very thankful for, but absolutely they have set us up for some memorable AFC West matchups for over a decade to come. And I mean, you, I think we both listened to Colin Cowherd a good amount, or at least we check his Twitter, listen to some clips like to, you know, and he, he makes a good point when he's, I think he's a little premature in saying that Herbert is better than Mahomes some of the times, but they're very similar quarterbacks and just their raw talent. And so it just makes for some electric, you're going to see plays you're never going to see when those two face each other. Someone who may never see a head coaching job again is Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Chicago Bears. And as we transition to the Chicago Bears, well, I've seen Justin Fields look anywhere from bust to baby Russell Wilson. Unfortunately, I haven't seen baby Russell Wilson while Matt Nagy is coaching that team on the field. He, he looked the best he's looked under Nagy in this last week. And for that reason, I'm sorry, Bears fans. There is a slight chance. And I mean, I say he looked the best he'd looked. He came out with 79 yards, but he'd been looking good until his injury. But even then, I still think Nagy's going to be out. And I think that that will free up this offense to be something special because if you get a coach who's coming in with a fresh set of eyes to look at Justin Fields and build something entirely around him, I think we're talking about a really special sophomore season with a healthy Khalil Mack and a Robert Quinn who looks re-energized. We're talking a really, really special sophomore season with David Montgomery looking like he can be a bell cow. We might be talking about a playoff run. So bears don't, don't be too down on yourselves right now. Just cause you have, a coach who's getting booed at his own son's football game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anything's possible because, you know, year one brought Trubisky to the playoffs and was a double doink away from moving on. Uh, but yeah, dude, he's getting booed at his son's football game. He's getting booed at Bulls basketball games. He's a wanted man in Chicago. It's really sad because he was one of the bright, young brainiacs of the NFL once not too long ago. And now a report came out, don't know how much credibility there is to it, that he might potentially be getting fired immediately after the Thanksgiving game. And if they lose to Detroit, well, I think that the writing is on the wall there. Uh, but yeah, really, un really unfortunate there. But, you know, not all not all hope is lost for Chicago, as you mentioned, if they if they center it around Justin Fields and, you know, some of these players can come back healthy and, and perform 100 percent once again. Maybe they are looking at a potential playoff run moving forward, depending on who gets the keys to that to that franchise at head coach. Uh, but now let's talk about the Miami Dolphins. They should be thankful for their just the glimmers of hope this year, because there are some glimmers of hope for for Miami. For one, they're not the Jets in that in that division. But, you know, they are on a three game winning streak. And, you know, though Tua's future is still up in the air, he's improving slowly week to week it seems uh like I said on the three game winning streak and you take a look at some of these young players that they were able to get in the draft you know Jalen Waddle is going to be a really really phenomenal wide receiver uh Javon Holland also who they snagged in the second round has, has played some good ball they have some young pieces you know and and they've had some bright moments this year so like we all should be appreciative of the little things in life the Dolphins should be appreciative of the little things this season, the little victories, it's not all about the big victories. It's it takes time. And there have been some glimmers of hope for this franchise in 2021. And hopefully they could use that as a uh, fuel for the future. Absolutely. Guys like Jalen Waddle looking like they can be something big for whoever ends up being their quarterback. Brian Flores still 
in my opinion, is the best quarterback to come out of that Belichick coaching tree. It's not a huge accomplishment to get that title. It's like saying you're the best member of the generals playing uh, the Globetrotters, but Hey, it's something. I think that the dolphins, I, I agree. They should look at the little things, the little things, something that, Honestly, isn't that little if you're a team is finding your franchise quarterback. We, we just talked about how the Dolphins messed that up, and they, they had the whole tank for Tua. They were game planning that. That was something they were ready for. Flip that script almost entirely on its head. Washington had no idea if it was going to get a football uh, their best quarterback. Washington didn't even realize it had its best quarterback in Taylor Heineke for over a year. But if you're a Washington football fan, you have got to be thankful for that man because – out of seemingly thin air, this guy, like you were said to me earlier off air, this guy off the street basically has stepped in and become a league average franchise quarterback. Like not a like franchise quarterback air quotes, but a, a guy you can put out there for probably a decade. And as long as the team around him is competent, you're going to be competing. He can gunsling when he needs to. There were some moments he looked like a baby fart last week. He is Fun and he's effective. And when you have that combination in a town that's best quarterback that I can remember recently was what was left of Alex Smith, that is going to bring some electricity in the air. And if they can get guys like Chase Young not only back healthy next year, but back motivated, they can make that, they can make the push everyone penciled them in for this year. It's not only Chase Young, but it's that whole defense as well. You know, this was one of the, this is, this was one of the, the, the teams that we had our eyes on coming into this year. But Taylor Heineke, some guy that we had never heard of before that takes the reins of quarterback, as you said, been serviceable, can win you a handful of games. Can he be their, their, can he be their future quarterback, you know, for, for, for the foreseeable future? I think he's proven enough that he is better than some of these other uh, starting quarterbacks in the league and, you know, for a team that has some weapons and decent protection uh, to get the job done in a semi-weak division still in the NFC East, you know, Washington, Taylor Heineke, I mean, hell for a guy that you've, for a guy that you never heard before, similarly to like James Robinson for Jacksonville, you know, he has, he has definitely made the most of it and is, is performing well, like you said, made some bomb throws, uh, and some sick plays last week. And, you know, even against Brady, not too, a couple of weeks ago, they took, took apart that Bucks defense. Absolutely. I was going to say, we, I mean, there's no shame in having them penciled in where you have them against that same Bucks defense. They were a couple of plays away from keeping them out of the Super Bowl last year. I, they, they were really looking like a team that could hang with anyone. And whatever was in the water of that defense this offseason, certainly don't spike it into mind because clearly it takes away your motivation and will to kill. And they just look like some, some scrawny kittens instead of some aggressive young lions. And they've been finding that it's really sad, actually, how they were finding that form this year. And Chase Young had that tragic ACL injury because it really felt like it was finally starting to click back in again. And I still think they can find a semblance of that this year. It'll be really tight to try and make a wild card push, but. It's going to be interesting. It'll take some time. But now moving to your squad, the New England Patriots. The new number ones of the AFC East. And it's not Tom Brady. It's not Mac Jones. But it's Big Daddy Bill Belichick. Whether you hate him or hate him, and in some cases, some might like him, the, you cannot deny how much of a machine Bill Belichick is. Because, look, this Patriots team had very little ammunition last year, but have since then reloaded, and look at where they are now. They got what looks like their franchise quarterback in Mac Jones, and it's all been Bill Belichick because Bill has not even Bill, but just the offensive personnel of, of New England as well, even McDaniels. I mean, what they have done to develop Mac Jones and how they have done it with the play calling, with how they've been able to scheme for him, 
with the semi-lack of talent that he's still throwing to, which has always been the case in New England, right? They took a dive in free agency. They reloaded, as I mentioned. But Bill Belichick is the greatest head coach to ever coach in the NFL. And Patriots fans, you could still have the debate about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. And I think that the narrative is still pretty clear about that on that debate. But enough cannot be said about the job that Belichick does and the job he does with not you talk about wasting talent and you talk about rushing some of these young these young quarterbacks and just young players in general. Well, Bill Belichick has perfected that system and he's doing it in a way that not only is helping his team in the short term, but is also going to just help his players and especially Mac Jones in the long term just become a great, great quarterback and hopefully leader in the, in the locker room. And not to mention what he's done to help recreate this elite defense that the Patriots are playing with right now, you know? So like I said, whether you hate him or hate him, or in some cases, some people may like him. Bill Belichick is the greatest coach to ever play this game. And New England fans, you better be thankful because narrative is going to change when, when his time is done. You know, I, as a New England fan, I can't lie and pretend that I wasn't a little swept up in the seemingly, based off both their comments, media-driven Belichick-Brady drama. I can't. I won't just say media, because there were definitely some people in Brady's camp stirring it up, too, and I'm glad he went out and corrected that. But absolutely, Bill Belichick has reminded everyone that I think, do, do I still sometimes have question marks about Bill Belichick, the GM? Yeah, I can't lie. Those question marks aren't going to go away. There are too many really weird draft decisions and the decision that Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aglahor somehow are worth real contracts to be your receiving options, but he makes it work every time because no matter what GM Bill Belichick does, coach Belichick will find a way to make it work and get the Death Star operational. I mean, like you said, Patriots fans better be thankful. And my goodness, am I thankful that he decided he wanted one more Dark Apprentice one more run into the Death Star. It's been beautiful. I'm sorry, AFC. You had, a, you had a year where Cam Newton got to do a little retirement tour that didn't work out so well. Now we're back. Now we're back. A team that probably I don't ever want to see back as a Patriots fan is the New York Giants because two of my worst sporting memories of all time come from that team. But in a year that has been much less kind to them than it has been to my Patriots, they just recently got their Thanksgiving present, almost on time, actually. And that is the double agent has left the building. Jerry's inside man has been purged. Jason Garrett is gone. And you know what? <laughs> I think a lot of teams can say that it's better off not having Jason Garrett controlling your offense. It's as simple as that. You might actually see if Danny Dimes and Saquon can do anything now. Yeah, that's break. I mean, breaking news today. Yeah, Jason Garrett getting getting relieved of of his duties there in New York, and a perfect segue because now it's time to talk about the Jets. <laughs> and the one thing that the Jets can be thankful for is the fact that they are not the only New York football team that sucks because the Giants are just as bad. Both New York football teams have the worst winning percentage in the last five years. The Jets are at rock bottom and the Giants, I, I believe, tied with Jacksonville for second worst winning percentage over the last five years. And, you know, you have you have the Mike White one off. He now has COVID, by the way, and, and will be sitting out. So looks like Zach Wilson might be making his return. But it seems like any glimmer of you talk about glimmer of hope for the Dolphins, any glimmer of hope, whether it be for the Jets, even for the Giants, for that matter, just gets squashed. But look, for for the Jets, at least they're not the only New York sports team or football team, rather, that is putrid. They have a long way to go. But at least it's a joint effort and they can both do it together. And hopefully they'll be able to get out of whatever cave of, 
of of poor football they've been able to do whatever the whatever the gods have thrown over them to blanket them with failure hopefully that is lifted soon and new york fans can get some positivity out of whatever comes out of their teams in the near future but hey at least the jets have that i i I think you have some points there although i'm gonna throw our our active audience member a little lifeline here the next team I was going to mention was just going to be a few numbers, and I'll throw in some more numbers to tie in the Jets as well. Three, seven, eight, 11, 16. Those are five first-round draft picks, and you might think I'm talking about five teams. I'm only talking about two. The Jets have three and seven right now. That's already just a ridiculous scenario to be in where it feels like the last few years they've had multiple first-round picks at a high level. And so they can definitely do some interesting things. And I think that is, re- you know, if you're going to tank, at least have ownership of your pick and one other awful one. So there's at least the hope that maybe their GM won't find another bust. But 8, 11, 16, those are all three first-round picks that the Eagles have right now. And let me tell you about what I think both of these teams I'm talking about, Jets and Eagles, should both be doing. And that's getting on the phone with whoever finishes with the number one pick and saying, hey, we got a lot of draft assets. How much do you really want Kayvon Thibodeau? Because we really want Thibodeau. And we will give you our first-round capital to get this premier edge rusher. And I think both the Jets and the Eagles, but specifically the Eagles, could really use that edge rusher to put them over the top. Because the Eagles have Jalen Hurts, who's looking like a franchise guy now. Eight rushing touchdowns on the season. Pretty good pick-to-touchdown ratio throwing the ball, too. Could work on his completion percentage, but that was a knock on him coming into the league. Everyone knew he wasn't a pure thrower. But when you look at your team and say, we have three first-round picks in the top half of the draft, you have options. You want a star player? Go out and get him. You have the capital for it. You want that number one pick? Go out there. Get it. So the Eagles, you got options, and you have a quarterback to build around. And that, when you have that much capital to just kind of blueprint out, that's fun. That's boot up Madden and have a little fun with it because – their GM right now, he's rubbing his hands together and getting ready. He's got a little master plan, blueprinting it out, because they have so much leverage to do basically whatever they want. So that's a good point. So now the uh, now to the Pittsburgh Steelers. You know, for me, the biggest thing is they need to be thankful for TJ Watt's contract extension. Now. Every time T.J. Watt's not on the field, man, this whole team is a different – I mean, it's a different team in, 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 in short terms. They're, they're 0-3 without him this year. He's the heart and soul, of, heart and soul of Steeler Nation. He's the heart and soul of, of the team itself. And without him, you're not looking at much else. This, this team, this defense is exposed – they look lost. This team is is just not there. They're missing their, uh, you know, their their leader. He is the leader in all aspects of that team. So, for the Steelers to not wait until the end of the season for to not, you know, potentially deal with a holdout, they needed him to sign that contract extension. They needed to pay him the money, and. You know, while they should be thankful for not losing to the Lions not too long ago, they really need to be thankful for T.J. Watt's contract extension because for the next four or five years, whatever it's going to be, they have their identity on defense. And, you know, T.J. Watt is going to be a defensive player of the year candidate, you would think, you know, on a year-to-year basis. Uh, So for them to sign him at the beginning of the year, was super huge. So thank you, Pittsburgh, for giving us that. We needed that. <laughs> My mom is a huge believer in, you know, just kind of like these righteous athletes, these very, you know, goodbye, just very straight and narrow, not trash talkers, not these money divas. Just I like I'm a football player. I want to be a role. She loves those type of players. And she was all over the story of how TJ Watt just barged into the office and said, I'm ta- how his agent wanted him to take more money and how he said, no, this is the contract I'm getting offered. I'm going in and signing it myself. 
that that's definitely that feels like a Steeler. I know that's cliche, but that really feels like the old heart and soul of the Steelers. And it's it's cool as a football fan to see them have that back and to see that their leader is that bought into the culture. So that is a very I think that's absolutely the right thing to be thankful for. And it's kind of funny because speaking of outside linebackers who are phenomenal pass rushers, that's what my final team in the NFC has to be thankful for. Because it's not every day that you get a guy that you draft as a rookie who looks like an all-world stud at multiple positions. But that is what the Cowboys, in a season full of positives, somehow found in Micah Parsons. Watching Micah Parsons, I don't – it's like I haven't seen an edge rusher until I've seen him. The speed, the the combination of moves he has as a rookie – He's already tied to Marcus Ware's franchise sack record with eight on the season. He can play middle linebacker if there's injuries there. He can play safety if you really need him to. The versatility and dominance that this player has at a young age is generational. And to be able to hit that in a year where you have guys like Diggs coming on and showing that they're a force, guys like Demarcus Lawrence are out, it's huge for what this team can be because – I think for the next 10 years, we're going to see Micah Parsons in the Pro Bowl. Absolutely. Yeah, and like you said, in a season that they've dealt with, you know, especially on defense, uh, their leader, Demarcus Lawrence, out. They've dealt with injuries. And these young these young guys have had to step up. And, you know, like you said, Micah Parsons has been an integral part of that. Trevon Diggs continues to outperform. So they're really – blossoming at the right time for Dallas where all the storylines was about their offense but now you know that narrative has changed and now you're you know giving showing respect to what they're able to do on defense uh so the Dallas Cowboys finally able to pick and and hit on their on their defensive draft pick for my final AFC team the Tennessee Titans probably the toughest egg to crack in the entire NFL but for me, they just need to be thankful for uh, the rest of their schedule. They have the easiest remaining schedule in the NFL for a team that is still the number one seed in the AFC, despite losing to Houston this past weekend. And that's just what I mean about that. That's just what I mean. They, they go on a seven-game winning streak or so against teams that have made the playoffs. They beat last year. They beat the Rams. They go out. They beat Buffalo. And then they lose to the Jets and Houston. They, it's like, what is it's like, what are the Titans? You know, but the strength of their schedule, the teams they play, I mean, it's all set up for them to have success going out. Now, I still don't know how much Ryan Tannehill could be trusted. Derrick Henry is that whole offensive identity. And it just goes to show again, you know, against a team like the tenth, like the Texans, when when you have your best player off the field and you put all of that pressure, all that responsibility on your quarterback who historically has been mediocre at best. And it's like, what do we get? Are we getting Finns Ryan Tannehill? Or are we getting Tennessee Ryan Tannehill? Because those are two totally different personalities that you're dealing with at the quarterback position. So for Tennessee, you know, Derrick Henry going down was a huge blow, but nonetheless, they have, at least in their favor, the strength of their schedule, they can hopefully, I mean, they should breathe. They really should breeze through these teams. But if anything's been, if anything is a testament to this season for Tennessee, they play to the strength of their opponent and they lose against awful teams and they beat really good teams. So hopefully that's, I mean, look, maybe that could be a formula for, for, for the playoffs down the road. If once we get there. But nonetheless, the strength of their schedule definitely plays into their favor. So I think that's definitely something to be thankful for. And that rounds out. That's all 32 teams. Uh, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, what every one thing every NFL team should be thankful for this year. What a doozy. What a doozy. But, yeah, that, that, that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with that one. And like we say, in the spirit of Thanksgiving – we got a couple of Thanksgiving games the, this week on Thursday um, and, you know, some more NFL business as usual over the weekend. So if there's one thing that we could say, uh, we're most notable, most definitely thankful for all of the 
just the way this season has panned out this year, as we mentioned, how unpredictable it is, all the different storylines, what what the storylines that could potentially come out of this year heading into 2022, not only in the draft, but in free agency in the offseason. And of course, uh, for both Petrie and I, you know, thankful for every single one of you that listen to us blabber on and on every week, uh, talking NFL. We really, really appreciate it. It doesn't go unnoticed. So uh, we hope that everybody has a happy and healthy Thanksgiving and spends the time with your loved ones and your family. Um, in the meantime, you guys could check us out on Twitter at Mike Matt Show. You can check out our podcast that drops every Wednesday morning in case you miss a show. Uh, we podcast it. We podcast a live show. So that's up every Wednesday on Spotify. Just search the Mike and Matt football show and you should be able to find it. We got 11. It'll be 11 episodes once this is up tomorrow morning. Uh, so definitely check that out if you miss it here on Colorcast. But as always, go follow, check out Colorcast on social media. Check out all the other casters commentating games. NFL, NBA, I mean, the whole nine yards they got going on now. And all the other talk shows, dude, that are happening throughout the week. They've got tons and tons of content throughout the week and on the weekend. So this is the place to be if you're looking for it. Uh, and as always, we, we, we truly, truly appreciate uh, all the listen time, all the engagement when, uh, when we get it. And uh, it doesn't go, to, go unnoticed. So, so thank you. And thank you to my co-caster, Matt Petrie, for always being a joy to talk. Uh, and for, obviously, uh, being a fan favorite in the chat, as always. I couldn't have said it more. I, I, would, I do want to give a special thanks to Kevin, especially for being a trooper, not only through the entirety of this, but also while we said not the nicest things about his Jets, even Sorry, if it was Kevin. all true. But hey, not everything can be roses and rainbows. And unfortunately, with the sports team, our dear friend Kevin have chosen to root for. He knows that all too well. The, the, the time will come for you, dude. The time will come. But in the meantime, Go enjoy your new stadium over there uh, in New York for, for the Islanders. Why don't you go go enjoy, go splurge. So there's a positive to come out of that one. But in all seriousness, everybody, we thank you so much for the continued support. Of course, like we say, go check us out on Twitter at Mike Matt Show. And uh, we're here same time, same place next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. We look forward to it. Have a happy Thanksgiving and we'll talk to you soon.